0: Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is the Downtime Podcast where we're going to be taking you deeper than ever into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. Before we get stuck into this week's episode, just a quick thank you to our supporting partners We Are One Composites and Canyon Bikes who both have offers for you and we've got a great prize giveaway too we are one composites make incredible wheels it's that simple i've been riding them for a good few years now and not only are they great they keep making them better the latest generation of the wheels is stronger yet with an even better ride feel for their latest convergence wheels we are one have taken that ability to have a set of wheels that go where you put them but don't feel punishing to ride and turn that up to 11 in all my time with the wheels they've never needed any maintenance which i find incredible for the month of May, downtime listeners get a very generous 15% off any We Are One wheel, rim, or the package bar and stem by using the code DOWNTIMEMAY2023. That's DOWNTIMEMAY2023, all one word with a capital D and a capital M. You'll find that code in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. And don't forget, you need to enter it at the very final stage of the checkout process in order for it to work. That's the confirm order page at WeR1composites.com. Canyon have recently launched a whole new range of awesome e-bikes from full-blown long-travel gravity options and race-bred e-enduro weapons to playful trail e-bikes and there's even a new cheeky hardtail in that lineup as well. Head over to canyon.com to check them out. What's even better is that if you fancy one of Canyon's awesome e-bikes then as a downtime listener you can get free bike guard on your e-bike order until midnight CET on the 3rd of June 2023 by using the code canyon-fully-charged-2023 at the checkout. That's Canyon. Dash fully dash charge dash twenty twenty three all in uppercase. Terms and conditions apply and can be found in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. It's listener survey time again and this year Magura have been kind enough to give us three sets of my favourite breaks, the awesome MT7 Pros to give away. So to be in with a chance of winning some, all you need to do is to head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash survey and fill in this year's listener survey. It's super simple to do and it's only going to take you a couple of minutes. It's a massive help to me to find out more about you lovely lot too. So head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash survey and we'll be choosing a winner of three sets of Magura MT7 Pro breaks at random on Thursday the 8th of June. If you find the podcast provides you with some value, maybe you've learned something that's helped your riding or your fitness. Maybe it's got you stoked to go riding or to come back from an injury, or maybe it's just something to pass the time when you can't be riding your bike. Then it'd be awesome if you are able to do a little something in return to help the podcast continue and improve by setting up a small regular donation via my Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. A big thank you to Lucas Friedley, Dean Carl, Richard Palmer and Rob S who joined that list of lovely patrons this week. Also, if you want to represent the podcast, then there's still downtime t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies available over at downtimepodcast.com for slash shop. If you want a bit more downtime in your life, you can join my newsletter where I'll send you a bit of behind-the-scenes info on the podcast, interesting bits and pieces from around the bike world, some mini-reviews of the products that I've been using and like, partner offers, and more. You can do that at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Otherwise, don't forget to follow the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode. You can do that by hitting the button in your podcast app now, or there's buttons for all the major platforms over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. You can either listen to today's episode here, or if you prefer to watch it, you can now do that over on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash at Downtime Podcast. I'll also stick a link to the video in the show notes over on my website, downtimepodcast.com. All right, Nico Mullally is responsible for one of the most exciting projects in mountain biking at the moment, and we're sitting down for a catch up. Hear about Nico's injury and how his recovery is going. We chat about his carbon rear end, the steel front end that he's been developing with Kotic, and how he's going about testing those. We also chat a bit about the Riders Union, the upcoming race season and plenty more. So without further ado, here's Nico Malali. Nico Malali, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. It's been a while, a lot's happened, um, but this does mean we're edging closer to the downhill season, which is exciting stuff. Um, how are you? suboptimal I guess but on a good progression
1: yeah good man good to see you um I'm six weeks into a 12-week recovery from a broken pelvis so um I'm good I mean I'm better than I was and um all things considered
0: things are going well good stuff um let's let's find out a little bit about what happened then
1: it was at Windrock um for the first U.S. National of the year yeah, I was, um, I, I was doing my first practice run of the day. Um, it's funny enough. I don't, I haven't ridden a ton at wind rock this winter because we have a bike park at rock Creek now. Um, definitely been out there a handful of days to ride, but, um, with travel and stuff, I, I, I honestly, I didn't ride there that much this winter and they built some new stuff just for, for the racetrack for that event. And, um, there was like an inside berm to berm gap, that was built off of a rock. Um, It was not perfect intentionally, I think. Um, It was was kind of a gnarly little feature that was the fast line. And um, yeah, I I hit it first run. And I I looked at it when I walked the track the day before. And I knew it was kind of sketch, but I wanted to check it off first run. And um, yeah, I just hit it too far to the left. And because I was jumping to the back of a berm, it was longer when I went further left and I got bucked on the takeoff and just dropped my front wheel basically behind the berm. I posted a video on my Instagram, but it's hard to see because Asa was behind me and you can't see that there's a ditch that I'm jumping. So I just dropped my front wheel in the ditch and went over the bars pretty hard. Um, I mean, I've slammed thousands of times like most people and sometimes you get up with a few scratches and other times it, it, it bites you. So yeah, I was, uh, yeah, total bummer. Um, but I'm honestly grateful that it's not something worse. It wasn't a spine injury or a brain injury. Like it's a pretty annoying broken bone, probably one of the worst ones you could break, but it's still a broken bone and you kind of serve your time, heal back up and I'll be okay. So just got to get through the recovery.
0: So no surgery or anything, just some time on crutches and some some rehab to get back on the bike in uh, another few more weeks? No, I did have
1: surgery. Um, I went to the hospital immediately, like after I crashed, honestly, I wasn't in a ton of pain considering how, how big of an injury it was. Like I, I couldn't really lift my leg. I wasn't, I didn't feel like it was like paralyzed or anything, but as I was sitting there, like I didn't have the strength to move my leg. So I knew something was wrong. And I was like, guys, I like I wasn't screaming. I was like, uh, I don't think "I'm only gonna be able to walk out of here." Can you get some help? They carried me out, and um, yeah, I couldn't really like even move that leg. And um, even before I went to the hospital, I was like, "Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be okay." Like, just get me some ice, and I should be all right. <laughs> but uh, I, I, uh, I, I was told <laughs> by the medics, like, "You got to go to the hospital. We got to call an ambulance." Like. you you can't even sit down, let alone, um, put weight on it. And I was like, no, just stand me up on my feet. I think I'm okay. And as soon as they stood me up, I almost passed out. So it was obviously something more serious. And when I got to the hospital, (laughs) they, um, they told me that the the pelvis where your femur goes into your pelvis, the socket was broken. And, um, that kind of all added up as to why I couldn't put weight on it and why I was having some numbness in that leg. Um, honestly, it was kind of a relief to hear that because I was worried that it might be like a, a nerve coming from my spine into my leg. That was, it wasn't totally numb as I said, but it was, it was dull. So I was, I was worried it might be something with that, but luckily it like all added up the symptoms I was having. And I was like, cool, broken bone. Um, just get it fixed and, and wait. So, um, yeah, I was on a Friday and then I, I asked to wait till Monday till the specialist came that does hips and um, he came on Monday the socket was broken in a few pieces so he had to reconstruct it Um, And because it's my where where my leg goes into my pelvis I have to stay on the crutches for 12 weeks so that it heals smoothly Um, if I stood on it my leg would be pushing into the bone so got to stay off it for the full time but uh, aside from that, things are going well and I'm doing what I can, not, not so much like training, but just to do some exercise to, for mental health and, uh, yeah, keep the blood flowing so that I can heal faster.
0: Yeah, man. A pretty, uh, pretty serious injury. That one, like how are you looking for getting back on the bike? Does it mean you're likely to miss some of the the start of the season from a world cup perspective? We're not long out now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely miss the first block. Luckily this year is kind of split into chunks. So I can, as long as I get cleared and my x-ray looks good, June 15th, I'll be, that'll be the 12 weeks and I'll be able to wait on it and really do anything that like, as I'm able to, um, it's kind of on me at that point. Um, I guess they said like at 12 weeks, the bones as strong as it will ever be from being rehealed. So Um, that was what I was told to wait for. And then, yeah, that'll be June 15th and I can start rebuilding the strength. Like I said, I can't put any weight on it now, but I've been like doing, I guess, open chain, they call them movements. So like getting my leg moving, trying to reactivate, kind of wake up those muscles. It's crazy. After two weeks, my leg was half the size of the other leg. Like it, 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 Atrophied so fast, so hopefully <laughs> it comes back as quick as it went away. I'm sure it won't, but um, my goal is to just be ready to go and have some base fitness from being able to swim, do upper body stuff um, when I come into being able to put weight on it, and just see how qu- quick the recovery goes. I'm gonna do what I can. I feel like I have nothing to prove or no pressure to get back quickly. Um, I want to do things in the right order but, um, I'm excited to race and I really want to, so it's nice to have some motivation to try to get back. Um, and luckily there's a bunch of races late in the season this year. So at least the U S world cups, snowshoe in Mount St. Anne are end of September, early October, which, um, under my circumstances is good for me. So I think for sure that, and, and, hopefully the one sooner. I'll just have to, I've never dealt with this before, so I'll just have to see how quickly I can get back.
0: Yeah, fair play. Will we see a Frameworks racing presence at the first few rounds? Are you going to be sending any riders? or?
1: No. Um, you know, it, it would have to be the right person and with the current World Cup um, structure, uh, it's hard to find somebody who's able to do it and doesn't already have their own sponsors. So... Um I'm I'm doing what I can from from the US here. Uh, I'm going to try to continue some of the development videos that I've been putting out. I'm working on having uh, another recently retired rider come in and test ride my two new frames for me, continue some of those um frameworks videos um to give value to my sponsors. I went over to Seattle and had a couple bikes on display. So doing what I can from that side. Um, but yeah, if I can't race, it's so expensive to go to those events and hard to find someone who can really fill the slot. So I'm just going to do, like I said, do what I can to give value to my sponsors without racing and then focus on being able to get back to it properly when I can.
0: Yeah. Fair. And, uh, let's talk a bit about the bike. I mean, a lot of last season you spent on development work and that's, that's still ongoing. So I think you got to a point where you were pretty happy with like the geometry, the kinematic of the bike. You had some durability issues that you were kind of working on throughout the year with some cracks like propagating in the frame over time. How, how has that progress been going? And have you been trying to get some kind of durability testing in over the winter? I know you were talking about sending your brother to Windrock to just do lap on lap on lap for, for days on end. Yeah. Um,
1: it's been going well. I mean, I'd say one thing is I thought I would get to the end of the road. And I don't think I'll ever get to the end of the road. The development process just keeps on going and there's always more, (laughs) more that you want to do. Um, but the bike's in an awesome spot now. Um, I did have those cracks through last year and it was, um, it, it was, it went from a point of in the beginning being making, being able to make big changes, deciding pivot locations, um, changing some of the suspension kinematics and that was exciting and then when it got into the construction and how to try to make the frames durable and efficient to build and also easy to build so that they're easy to replicate um when you weld a bunch of small pieces together there's more chance for things to go wrong so i kind of got into the real engineering and not the (laughs) hobby engineering after that and um, was kind of thrown in the deep end luckily had so many awesome people in the industry that were willing to help me out friends of mine people that work for other big companies that um, were willing to talk to me and be a pretty open book Um, I could talk to one of the engineers from the from specialized that works on the demo and he was so open and helpful i didn't expect him to be able to give me so much insight as he did so just having so many people in the industry support it i was able to do more than i would be able to do under my own knowledge um so that was awesome but yeah i got some revised aluminum frames um kind of right at the end of last season, um, right after the last World Cup, we had the U.S. Open up in Vermont, and I picked up some new frames from Frank's shop was only an hour from there. So that was basically what everything we learned from racing the World Cup season um, and our feedback on the durability. We changed a few things with the tubes that we chose and some of the gusset designs, like even the way that it, those gussets were welded was was so important small details that you're not going to feel when you're riding it but really make a difference in um dispersing the stress uh, around the frame so we got those in september and i told my brother like i need your help we need to ride this thing as much as possible like real life testing on the ones that we were riding before we were getting 200 to 300 runs on Um, before we saw a crack so it was like a fatigue thing over time and yeah we Logan put 10 laps a day at Windrock and he was like going every day religiously getting those runs in and by Christmas we had done between the two of us over 500 runs so that was that was pretty cool to like see it get through all that testing and like with the same bearings like every like power washing it every day not treating it like, um, a pro, a pro race bike, like treating it like a person would. Um, and at Windrock, which is one of the most demanding places on anybody who's been there will say like, that's where your stuff goes to break. So <laughs> it was cool that it, it lasted that many runs. Um, and I think it showed, cause I, I made some for some of the other junior racers, some local kids. Um, I, I made 12 frames and passed them out. Wanted to get some not necessarily ride feedback, but just like, hey, treat this like your own, put whatever parts you have on it. Let me know if everything fits, how it's lasting over time, and try to do as many runs as you can. Like, that's what we want to see is how well they last. And some of the other kids at the same point where we reached 500 runs were reporting back, like, hey, I just did 70 runs on this thing. And they thought they were riding a lot. Like, these are kids that practice and race. So for us to get the 500 kind of showed that people don't ride as much as they might think and that getting those runs in was a good benchmark. So still today, like any of those 12 frames haven't shown any cracks or issues. So um, trial and error that we went through last season seemed to work out pretty well.
0: Yeah, but you don't like to stand still on these things. So you've been uh, starting to look at alternative materials and try a few other bits and pieces one of the first things uh that you did was to move to a carbon rear end just tell us a little bit about that piece of work because it's very very different working and designing in carbon to to working in any kind of metal so i'm guessing you you know you brought in some expertise there um but yeah keen to hear about like the design process why you went that direction and then how you uh you found the kind of the performance of the parts once they arrived Yeah, I guess the idea
1: came from some issues we were having on the very first iterations of the frames. I'll say that the the latest ones that Frank made, those twelve with the aluminum rear end, were pretty pretty darn straight. Like we've kind of figured out some of the issues that we did have. Um and a lot of it's to do with somewhat homemade, handmade nature of the things. They're not all exactly perfect. But headaches that I saw through the season were the alignment of the rear triangle. That's where on my design, all the crucial pivots are on the bike. So front triangles are somewhat easy to make, um, in relation to the rear end, there's a ton of bearings and pivots and clevises that need to fit over with spacers in between and getting all that stuff to line up perfectly after it's been welded together and then heat treated. Um, Some of them weren't perfect and they were kind of all a little bit different in the beginning. So, um, the brake mount as well was like a, something that needed to be absolutely perfect needed to be like the right plane, the the parallel to the rotor, um, the right spacing and some of our bikes that were not 100% perfect. You would get, um, brake fade because the, Caliper wouldn't be pushing the rotor absolutely perfect, and the rotor would reset the pads, and then your brake would pull in further than you thought it would. And it's, um, it was something that I was dealing with through last season. So, um, yeah, I, I was thinking of ways to make the rear triangle more precise and the same every time. And, um, also like carbon had. The advantage of reducing unsuspended mass, so there was a, a way to make it the quality better and reduce weight for performance. So it was something that made sense on paper, um, but was just like a bigger expense, a bigger um, upfront expense than any of the other things I had been playing with in the beginning. Um, but I, 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 it all like it had its advantages if I could afford it. So. I talked to a friend of mine, um, Troyden, who is involved with the Crestline project. I'm pretty sure he's part owner in it, and they made their own Crestline downhill bike this year. And I, yeah, he, he actually reached out to me about like just picking my brain. And just as like those other engineers I mentioned were open to me, I tried to be as open as I could. With him asking questions about more so geometry and kinematics and why I chose stuff and explained to him my thought process. Um, so in return, I picked his brain about like, hey, how are you making these frames in small quantities out of carbon fiber? And he told me about the factory that he was using and made me an introduction, which was awesome because a lot of these people that were helping me, because I was a pro rider and I had some credibility, uh the carbon fiber factory in Asia has no idea who I am so if I want to go to them with the proposal to do a small quantity of downhill (laughs) parts and not even full frames but only chainstays and seat stays um, they probably wouldn't agree to take on the project without a recommendation from someone reputable so he was able to make me that contact and get get in there Um, and the process started where their factory could take my 3D of my aluminum rear triangle and replicate that in carbon. And from my side, I was like, hey, this one works. So, And it all fits clearance-wise. So can you guys just make the same thing out of carbon fiber? Ideally, it's lighter. Ideally, I mean, if the mold's perfect, everything's perfect every time. Um, And they came back with a 3D model of how it would look in carbon fiber and from there i just asked a couple because i mean i don't really know what i'm looking at like this looks like it will work from as much information as i have but i asked a couple friends of mine um i sent the model and and asked them for feedback and dan roberts who um i had been friends with for a long time he was an engineer for scott when i raced for their team Um, and he's working on the raw bikes now. I think their project launched right about the same time as mine did. And he reached out and I think right before they launched theirs and said, Hey, I watched your video. Like we're working on a bike that's very similar to yours. And it was cool because when I read through it, I was like, man, great minds think alike. I guess like we both ended up with pretty close to the same thing, not (laughs) knowing that we were each working on it. Um, and kind of talked through some of the subtle differences between our own, each of our bikes. And then I saw him at the first race and we talked more and, um, I, I didn't know who else to send it to. And I knew that Dan had done a few carbon bikes for Scott. He did the scale, which at the time was like the lightest cross country hardtail. And I'm sure that was a big learning process in working with carbon fiber and communicating with factories on working with carbon fiber too which the communication is like more than half of it, I would say, to get what you want in the end. So when Dan looked at the model, his feedback was like, hey, yeah, this will fit. But the only reason that you made the rear triangle the shape that it was the first time was because of the tubes that you had access to and the tubes that Frank was using. So if you're going to invest into this mold and all the tooling to make a and seat stay, Now you have the freedom with carbon fiber that you don't have with aluminum to make the shape, whatever you want, not just how aluminum construction constrains you. So I said, yeah, I totally agree, but like, I don't, I don't know what the next step is. So without like, I kind of put him in the ball in his court and was like, well, can you help me then? Because I don't know what, I can't draft a 3d carbon (laughs) fiber rear triangle. And, um, yeah, he was super stoked to to get involved and so nice of him as well to do it. He spent, I don't know if it was more time than he anticipated, but way more than I anticipated just on the communication with the factory. Um, he didn't actually draft the the 3D, but he communicated with the person in their factory who did draft it and said, hey, you know, this is great, but after further revision, we want to go back and kind of change everything. Um, and obviously we'll pay to, for that revision, but gave them really clear instructions on what we were looking for to change the shape so that with carbon, you want to have um, like as much fiber flow, I guess he says, like you don't want to have sharp edges. You don't want to go from thick to thin, which I, I don't think you want to do in other materials either but you want the thing to um, naturally be strong by its shape and Dan gave a lot of really good feedback for that Um, and also checking to make sure that in the future if we wanted to use this piece on an enduro bike we could do that which kind of justified the cost a little bit for me. Um, My bike was already using a 148 by 12 hub spacing and I really just did that because I didn't want to have so many different hub sizes uh around and the flange width on the 148 was super similar so i didn't feel like i was losing anything and and talking with specialized guys they they said that that's actually why they did it on the demo too so um i could use this this rear triangle on an enduro bike which justified the cost a little bit and dan being able to really double check that that was actually going to fit was um super helpful i think he probably emailed them back and forth 200 times which was way more like in my mind i was just gonna say uh hello i want this piece here's they come back and tell me how much it costs i send the money and they send the piece but anybody who works in manufacturing would know that that is never how it's actually going to happen so um dan communicated a ton with being able to get that carbon fiber rear triangle made and um, they sent a 3D printed one first that I could mount on the bike and double check the spacing of everything and then that was all good and then they sent like a first sample to ride and that worked awesome and then um, came back with another layup to try to see if I noticed any difference using a different fiber and um, different stiffness. So, yeah, it was awesome to work with this these guys. And um, the part works great, and it solves all the issues that I explained. The ride quality, reducing the weight, um, the unsprung mass wasn't as noticeable as I had hoped. Um, I spent $25,000 in all the tooling to make this thing. So I was like, all right, this is going to ride amazing. And it was... Maybe a little better, definitely not worse, um, at least equal or better. Uh, but it was really the alignment and everything that fit together absolutely perfectly that um, that was the win.
0: So yeah, that's the, the story of the carbon rear triangle. Amazing. Yeah, it's a huge amount of work, but it looks super nice. And like you say, it's it's all heading in the right direction, right? It's more repeatable. It's lighter where you want it to be lighter, but you still maintain the structural side. So you've got this carbon rear end, and a front end that's become durable with all the modifications that you made but you decided to go and have a little try with a steel front end tell us a bit about that project because that's another huge piece of work
1: yeah it was just an interesting idea like a whole reason why I started this project was to be able to kind of try everything and with an open mind maybe things that on a race team they wouldn't let allow you to to try So, I just wanted to see if there was anything there Um, and I met Sai. actually you introduced me to him, um, Sai from Kodak and he was just a super nice dude as I mentioned these other people being an open book and um, he gave us a bunch of good info on how to do the gussets which we applied to these frames that helped a ton and probably a big reason why they are so durable in our latest aluminum versions so after starting a communication with Cy I asked him like hey if I want to try one in steel can you give us some some direction and how we would go about it and after talking to him for a while it he offered to help with that and actually get the steel triangles made for us so um, with his experience working with steel it was it was like a no-brainer like instead of us trying to figure that out and choose the tubing and you know frank who welds my frames is more comfortable working with aluminum he obviously can weld steel but he he welds aluminum all day every day so that's his preference and size uh frame builder at five land up in edinburgh they primarily work with steel and titanium so sai took the 3d of our aluminum frame tried to copy it As closely as he could obviously there's some different construction with um, aluminum you can CNC more parts because it's material softer and lighter Um, and with steel you're at least um, in a prototype like this constrained to more of like a 2D process working with tubes and plates which on my front triangle is so simple that that wasn't an issue but Psy was able to dial in those details based on his knowledge, working with his rocket enduro bike and what they've learned from that. And, um, yeah, did the, did the 3d model and then communicated with five land to get them made. So awesome to be able to work with him on that. Um, unfortunately they showed up right as I got injured. So I wasn't able to, to ride them myself, but the idea with it was to make, only the the only variable between the aluminum frame and the steel frame the material Um, we wanted the stiffness to be the same like I could make this I could make the aluminum frame flex more or less already Um, and people say that steel is has more flex Um, but just looking at the numbers I wanted it to be the same stiffness and isolate only the material to see if Dynamically on the trail when you're riding it, it reacts differently. Um, just because something measures the same stiffness doesn't mean that it uh, rebounds to the original sh- the original point the same as um, something of the same stiffness. So, yeah, I'm excited to test it myself. Guys that have ridden it have given me some feedback, which was pretty much what I expected. Obviously, I try to go with an open mind, but um, the bike rides really similar, um, almost the same, but the way that you feel the vibrations from the ground in your hands and feet, um, is delivered a little differently. So I'm super excited to try to
0: feel that out for myself as soon as I can. Yeah. Hopefully it won't be, uh, it won't be too long. Are are there plans then beyond the current state of the bike to, to go further, whether that's in modifications to like the frame side of things or, or, even in the component side, because you're, you know, you're pretty free to move around as you want. All right.
1: Yeah, and and actually, um, I did start already working on a revised aluminum frame. Um, we got the steel frames in April, and if if I if all was on track for me to race, that wouldn't have been enough time to um, test, take feedback, and build the race bikes in time for the first World Cup. So I had already started on the notes on my geometry and kinematics that, um, I gathered over the past season and off season testing. Um, also we 3d scanned our bikes and got a really accurate measurement of, of in reality, what our kinematics and geometry was. Um, it was awesome. A friend of mine who I, One of the kids that I I gave one of my frames to durability test this year, his dad is a aerodynamics R and D guy at a NASCAR shop. And I didn't know that when I read the kid, just the local races, his name's Austin Hazley. And um, he was ripping on a enduro bike. And I was like, Hey, would you be interested in your local? Would you be interested in getting a downhill bike and trying one of these? And, uh, he was stoked to get it. And then I've come to find that his dad was this aerodynamics guy at the NASCAR place and came back like offering to scan the bikes and help out as much as he could, which was just like an awesome coincidence. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, helped out so much. Like if I was to take that to a place who could scan, it would cost thousands of dollars. And the dude, did it for me after work and was glad to help invited us back to scan, like any new frames that we had and compare them. Um, and through that process could see that the frames were actually more accurate than I expected. Um, I thought being made handmade by Frank, he doesn't have all the tools that a big factory does that they would be a little further off, but everything was pretty spot on. Um, I learned more that the components aren't always as precise at, like you can't just assume that your tire is the size that they give you as their measurement or that your shock eye to eye could be like a mill or two different, um, than, than what the exact measurement is. And that stuff can throw off your geometry in a big way. Your uh, yeah like we scanned it with a few different axle to crowns on a downhill bike, you can slide the forks through and see how that, um, actually affects the bike, not just on a computer simulation. So learning that, um, gave us a bunch of valuable info for tuning on the track and to better design the bikes, knowing what those real world measurements are. So, um, taking that info plus the, this, the ride, Feedback that I had from the past year, I designed with with dan's help actually a revised version of my front triangle um, lock the the carbon rear end was locked in and and the points are pretty neutral so with a different rocker link and with different main pivot and rocker pivot mount to the front end, I could change everything in 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 the small window that I wanted to um, so yeah I'm really excited to get the next revision of the frames. Um, I got a couple things stacked up for me now to, to test the aluminum and steel against each other and then, um, test the new version of the aluminum frames that they're a little different in their, um, construction. Um, like I said, the ones that we rode all winter, the construction improved in just some small details of the gussets and everything. But the new ones I changed, how the tubes, um, I guess how they, instead of using bent tubes, we used all straight tubes and put the complexity into the CNC pieces and being able to have a resource like 5Dev, who is a sponsor of mine. They make the cranks that I use and a, a bunch of other awesome components. They have a huge CNC capability. They're primarily a CNC manufacturer. And with their help, being able to design all the complexity into the CNC parts rather the frame rather than the frame builder's hands. It allows the frame to be made the same every time. And if it's easier to make, it's easier to make perfect. So I'm excited to get these. It's like small details now, um, but I guess that's what you get into the further you get into the process.
0: Yeah, definitely. It, get, it gets more and more complex the further you go. But it's been cool to see that with you away from the bike for a little bit, you've got a, a young, upcoming American uh, star swinging his leg over the Frameworks bikes. Uh, Asa, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce his surname, is it Vermetti? Yeah, Asa Vermet. Tell me a bit about this guy.
1: Well, I met him last year at the US Open. Um, I'd I'd seen some of his results from the summer and never got to introduce myself but he raced pro at the us open and got to hang out with him and his dad a little bit that weekend and then he ended up getting third in the race in pro he was 15 and uh was one second ahead of me in the race so he crushed it and um we were just hanging out behind the podium and i said what are you guys doing tomorrow would you like to test ride a frameworks bike And they, uh, they were like, yeah, I mean, we don't have any plans. We'll, we'll hang out. So they stayed the day after the race. We went and um, we rode the racetrack and they're from Colorado where it's a lot drier climate, doesn't rain a lot. And it poured down rain all night after the race. And I said to Asa, we got in the start. I was like, Hey dude, I'll follow you, but just, um, scope it out first run. It's going to be a lot different than we raced it yesterday. And he's like, cool. Dropped in no questions about how fast to go to do a full run or not. Just, uh, as fast as he could go hitting the puddles, sliding around, (laughs) no concern, consistent riding. And, um, yeah, got to watch him right behind me or I was right behind him. He was riding one of our, my bikes and yeah, we rode all day. He did six full runs, never asked if he should stop or how fast to go. And, uh, he, he really liked the bike. So it was cool that he was into it. Um, from there I, I said like, Hey, I can, I can send you this bike if you want to ride it. Um, but like, obviously I'm, I'm a, I'm a somewhat of a privateer myself. Um, but if I would like to help you as much as I can. So I sent him that bike as soon as we got back from the US open, he rode it all winter and was stoked on it. And then this year I gave him, um, another frame. And and when these new ones come, he'll, he'll get to ride those as well. And he really stepped up his game and has been absolutely crushing it. Um, at all the races this year, he, um, he went to New Zealand crankworks. We, we planned the trip together and he, um, he had a, a really good finish there. I think he got second in junior. There was some local kids that were really fast, but that was a good, first overseas experience for him. And, um, and then coming back to some of the U S races where he was able to race pro. He, he won the second downhill Southeast against a pretty stacked field. So he's getting better every weekend. And, um, from my side as well, it's awesome to have him as I wouldn't say like right now, a teammate, but just like a friend that's on my bike and that I'm able to kind of take under my wing. Um, he's he's young and appreciates all the advice that I can help him out with. And then on on the flip side, like having a young kid like that makes me ride better. When we were in New Zealand, um, I hit this, this gap on the racetrack on the in, inside of one of the turns. And watching back on the broadcast, I was the only one to hit it. I didn't realize that it was, uh, so gnarly when I did it because Asa did it in his race run before me and said, yo, inside over the log, just send it and you can jump all the way to the turn. And I was like, all right, if he said it's good, then it's good. So I did the same thing and ended up actually being the only one to do it. So having a kid like that is, um, is awesome to have with you. And I'm really looking forward to Riding with him more and um, seeing, you know how how everything progresses.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And it was a, a good result for you at Crankworks, man. How was that? Because it's a long trip uh, for just a one event, but it looked like it was worth it.
1: Yeah, it was. I ended up being super worth it. I, I mean, my my goal to go there was, um, you know, not knowing how things were going to be at the World Cup for someone that's kind of in my spot where you know, if you make the top 60, um, it's, it's tough. Like obviously the goal for me, this going into the year was to make those finals, but top 30 is really tough. There's 30 guys on factory teams. So I wanted to do crankworks as well. Um, at least do the first couple to see how those were going to go. The Red Bull TV was, was supposed to put a ton into the broadcast. Um, so I, figured like, Hey, I'm going to start doing crankworks. At least I'll be there. Um, I have the opportunity to do the full series if it, if it is valuable and I'm going to go to the first one and, and just see what happens. And man, it was actually so valuable. Like I got my run on Red Bull TV. Um, I ended up doing awesome in the race and watching back the show. I'd been in the hot seat for a long time. So like for all my sponsors, I, I didn't, say that i was going to crankworks that wasn't an obligation but to go there get that run and um get exposure was super valuable and then from my side just like so stoked to do a good run with a pretty stacked field like within a second of Bruni and ali zoir who are both awesome riders um and beat some other really fast world cup dudes so it was a good little confidence boost that um you know, after uh, the first season and and kind of seeing through the project and getting more and more time on the bike, things were starting to fall into place. And, um, yeah, getting a result like that always feels so good. Like, as a racer, for, from my side, like, you do it for yourself primarily. Like, of course, there sponsors paying you. And as long as you're a good a good ambassador for their brand. There's normally not a ton of, um, pressure I would say on like the exact result you get, but for me, like I want to do the best I can. And I want to put down a race run that I can look back and be proud of. And I exceeded my expectations that day. And when you can do that, that's like the best feeling as a racer. So, uh, getting on the podium, standing next to those guys and sitting on the hot seat, waiting for the last dude to come down was like such a cool feeling and brought back, um, I guess that like fire from years past. And it was funny, like even, so it was the week later I was in the hospital, couldn't, couldn't even move my leg. Um, and my brother Logan there with me. And I was like, you know, as bad as this is, like, all I can think of is how cool it was to, to do well in that race last weekend and how much I want to do that again. And like, as shitty as this next three months is going to be like honestly it's worth it for getting that result last weekend and the feeling of accomplishment that comes with it so um funny like turn of a of of like emotional roller coaster you would say but um it was so cool to to get that result and uh, inspired me a lot so i want to do it
0: again yeah it's cool that that result came at that time then to give you that those good vibes while you're in uh, in hospital dealing with what you've been dealing with and it's been nice to see um recognition as well in the latest red bull tv project called race tapes uh which went live very recently um there's an episode called diy within that and the frameworks project uh features in that which is really cool to see
1: yeah it was awesome that they included me i was stoked that um i could be a part of it so yeah if you have a chance to check it out it's a i mean regardless of whether i'm in it or not it's an awesome video series if you're into downhill racing you should go watch it
0: yeah definitely so any any closer to plans to sell these bikes then i know there's probably quite a few people starting to line up on the internet ready to press the buy button when it appears but are you any closer from your perspective
1: Yeah. I mean, closer, always closer. Um, and it's, it's awesome to, I I get asked all the time in person as well. And, um, people are sending a message on my on my video or on my, um, social media. Um, and it's cool that so many people are into it like that. And I would say like, yeah, it is a, it is a goal for the future. Um, mainly because it would be awesome to get the income of a frame Sponsor, he would say, like I'm doing a whole race team without what most race teams have as their title sponsor. You know, Santa Cruz Syndicate without Santa Cruz will probably have a lot smaller budget. So um, if it was up to me, I would keep <laughs> doing experiments and never sell anything, but to be able to sustain doing this and do more cool things a really cool trade-off would be to sell some bikes to people who would be really stoked to get them are happy to exchange their money for the value of a frame and um see them out there in the public um with people riding them and then have that resource to to take the project further so i was just really scared um and i'm glad that i didn't go down that road just yet um with the quality control and durability of everything. And just, you know, wanting to make sure that if I give someone something that it's going to be something that lasts and that's not going to come back and give them or me any headache. Like, you know, I, Logan and I are doing all of this ourselves and I don't really have the bandwidth to warranty a bunch of frames that, um, could give people trouble. And, You know, the last batch that we made, those 12 that I have out with all these junior kids racing them, not a single one has had an issue. So I'm pretty confident now that with everything we learned, we can make durable frames, um, both from like a construction standpoint and like all the bearings and everything um, seem to last better. Like uh, if we'd have done 500 runs at Windrock on a lot of other production bikes, I don't think they would have made it. So I think we're in a good spot and, um, I just want to get these next, this next version that I explained. Um, I think they're another step ahead of the stuff that we have now. And, um, as long as we can put the summer's worth of riding between me and Asa and, um, I'll get Logan back on the testing job again. <laughs> um, hopefully next year we can <laughs> maybe sell some bikes. I don't want to promise anything. And it's, um, it's something that I don't want to be pressured to do. I just want to do when the times, right. Um, mainly because I want to offer a really good product and something that, you know, people are, have a great experience with. Um, it's tough to, like, I want it to be perfect. It probably will never be absolutely perfect, but I want to try to get it as close to that as
0: I can with the resources I have. Nice. Yeah, it's exciting to see it progress, man. It's come so far already in a year and I'm sure this time next year it will be another big chunk forward. Um we should talk a little bit about 2023 World Cup. Unfortunately, you're not going to be at the first few <laughs> rounds, but last year you were kind of track walk guy with the UCI like looking at safety and helping represent the riders in that perspective. Is that still the case? Like are you going to be involved on that level um like for this season?
1: Yeah, we've kind of created a, a board, which is, um, it started out as me and Emily Siegenthaler that were communicating between the riders and the ESO, which our point of contact now is Rory Cunningham. And he's awesome to deal with. Former rider, totally understands our perspective. Um, and we've expanded it to have Loic, Tani, and Aaron involved in the writer's board as well. So it gives it, um, a a more balanced, um, group that, that has other, like I was the only active racer. So some other active racers to give feedback as well. And Emily's primarily doing the load of work where it's the communication, the, um, creating some feedback documents. Um, and I'm, also helping where I can. I go on the meetings with her with, um, whether we can talk to Rory or Chris Paul and I'll do that as much as I can. I'm happy to help. I don't really, I'm not going out of my way to try to do, I don't know, look for problems that haven't arisen yet. But when the riders come with questions and we need to (laughs) communicate that. I I'm happy to do as much as I can. So, not being able to be at the first few races, I think Emily will probably be able to offer a lot more support than I am, but I'm um, yeah, um I didn't really elect to do this. Um we had a meeting, we had a few meetings this year and and one of the last ones Loic uh publicly asked if I would be the rep for the group and <laughs> i uh i couldn't really say no in front of everyone and i i wanted to help too i was i was happy to help um <laughs> so I, I, like i said i'm not chasing those guys down to do more but um trying to help as much as i can to make and i and i feel like i have a pretty balanced viewpoint being like me and my family put on the downhill southeast race series so i've organized a ton of downhill races and even some UCI ones when we, when I was doing the Tennessee national at Windrock. So I can see from both sides, like what goes into creating an event, obviously nothing on the level of a world cup, but sometimes as a rider, your perspective isn't the same as when you know how much goes into organizing the race and what you, what resources are available. So I try to, I think, come in with a different perspective and when I can talk to those guys on the event side can try to find a good middle ground and at least um, achieve the main goal of what the riders are looking for in a way that both sides are able to execute
0: yeah so you obviously weren't at the the Lord's test event but I'm guessing you've heard some feedback from that based on your role on the the board of kind of the riders group what was the general Feedback from from Lords, like everything I've heard so far, seems pretty positive.
1: Yeah, I think everything was really positive. Um, it might be tough with the amount of riders that were at Lords versus what would be at a World Cup to really get a good understanding of how it'll work. But I'd say the event went well. Um, the course markings look good. Um, I thought that when Rory presented them to us a few months ago, they looked awesome. Like it was a big step in the right direction. Visually, they look better. Hopefully they keep the track more consistent. Um, I'm not sure if getting rid of course tape for the idea of it being not environmentally sustainable is really um, viable. Um, You know, we fly across the planet use a tire for three runs and throw it away. And we can't have course tape because it's bad for the environment. Uh, Like at some point, none of this is. And yeah, it's good to do what we can. Um, But I think they have a good plan to reduce that where they can. And I do think that the new markings look better as long as they can keep the public off the track. Um, So, i i can appreciate both sides of it and i think that um i i definitely like the new markings
0: yeah and the finished gantry looked a lot better like they had these two huge computer screens either side of the the finish like showing the rider and data and stuff like that like it already looks i guess more of a professional sport which is a good step forwards hopefully
1: yeah f- for sure um so the, the next thing will be to see how the broadcast looks because that's, that's the main thing. There's way more people watching it, obviously, on, on TV than in person. And if they can give more data to the people watching from home and create um, a better watching, v- better viewing experience, like that'll be huge. So um, unfortunately, I'll get to watch it from home the first couple rounds and I'll get to see how that, that all pans out. But... Um, yeah. I mean, from my side, there's a lot of concerns, but uh, like with anything new and with any change you have that. And I really just want to see what happens. Like, I don't want to be too quick to criticize, like, um, it's their idea. Let's see how it goes. And then afterwards, if we need to give construction, constructive feedback can go that route. But, um, yeah, I'm, optimistic and i um, looking forward to seeing what happens
0: yeah so as a fan then which is i guess the seat you're unfortunately going to be sitting in for the first block of racing like what are you most excited about this year
1: oh i mean always at the first race there's not a precedent from who's on form so um it's so exciting to see those first times come in and see where people are stacking up and we'll have yeah couple of weeks back to back of guys coming in, raising the bar. Um, every year riders get faster, equipment gets better and it'll be exciting to see, you know, how that all goes. And in addition, like Jordan and Jackson coming into elite and seeing where they slot in, there's just downhill racing is so cool because the race is, uh, short enough and there's so many variables to it that you can't predict that the fastest person on paper w- will be the fastest. So it's you, you, that's why you watch downhill to the final run. And um, yeah, I
0: can't wait to see how it all stacks up. Yeah, it's going to be an ex- exciting start to the season. And uh, it's been a busy off-season with you, not just with the bike and uh, training and racing and everything else that you've done, but you've also casually just knocked out another bike park in your spare time uh, with Ride Rock Creek. And I think it was, I was over there, in March last year, and you mentioned that you had like agreed on the land, I think for it. How do we get from March, like you know, having a a line in the sand to now having a bike park that's open, run in multiple tracks with the national champs on it this year? I think.
1: Yeah, uh, that's pretty exciting. I mean, I was super motivated to work on the project myself, primarily to have a downhill park close to my house. I think anybody would be stoked to be involved with that. Um, but yeah, luckily our, our bike park at Ride Canuga has been going super well and we wanted to expand to have a shuttle access bike park in our area as well. So um, my partner, Dave Lamond, um, bought the property, um, really nice venue has tons of parking, which is the hardest thing to find when you want to have a bike park. I've been involved with a few, now is having all the infrastructure that you need, whether it be parking lots, shuttle roads, um, the trailhead shop check-in area to, to run a legitimate business, and then also a huge gnarly mountain to have downhill tracks on. And the property that we found I thought was an awesome balance of it. The location is really good. It's um, close to some major cities and um, kind of along a way that most people can access. It's not in the middle of nowhere. Um, and the, the, the property has tons of parking. We built a really nice shuttle road that's super fast to get to the top. Um, <clears throat> there's a really cool lake on the property that just makes the area look super nice And the terrain is, is pretty good. I would like it to be gnarlier, but for a public bike park, I think it's perfect. Uh, it's not so gnarly that you're limited to the trails you make being only a certain way. Um, and it's easier to try to make the trails that you need harder than to try to make really gnarly stuff easier. So, um, Yeah, I was stoked to be involved with it. Like, like with all the projects that I've been able to work on the past few years, building the frames, working on the bike park. Sorry, I had to get a cat out of here. Um, it's stuff that I am super passionate about. And I think most people (laughs) that are listening to this, this is a mountain bike podcast would agree that it's like awesome to be able to do cool projects that you're passionate about, whether it's trail building, working on bikes, like it's so cool. So i'm really grateful that we have the opportunity to do that this year we have the national champs there Um, i've been involved with usa cycling for a while giving feedback and um, trying to help improve the sport and they they had a venue for their cross country in the past cross country and downhill were always together and they found a venue for for endurance and they didn't have one for downhill and i put my hand up and said, you know, we've got this venue. We'd be happy to host it. We have the resources to, to do it. And we came out and inspected it and said, yeah, we want to work with you. So for the next few years, we got the downhill national champs. And I think, I mean, from my side, like I just want to try to make the event better. Um, and with like the involvement that our bike park can have, I think that we can do that. And just make the stoke for downhill racing even higher
0: yeah good work man well we're uh, doing a little bit of downhill racing ourselves this year uh which i'm both excited and nervous about first race is rapidly approaching so i thought i'd pick your brains a- any advice for uh someone who hasn't raced downhill for a long time and has limited skill
1: <laughs> uh practice a lot I mean there's no substitute for the seat time (laughs) I think if you can get out to the bike park and get as many runs as you can um, and try to start I mean I'll try to take this advice too when I come back is like start not rushing Uh, you want to feel the rhythm before you try to up the speed and try to use good technique before going too fast Um, obviously there's comes a point where the time's the time, but I think the more time you can have on your bike and, um, just starting doing the technique first before the speed, that'll,
0: that'll get your ceiling even higher. All right. Solid advice. We'll see, we'll see how we get on. There's been a decent amount of seat time and there can always be more. Um, but yeah, I think the first race, all three of us have said like that'd be the most condensed seat time we've had to be fair. So just having two days with like really good uplifts. I think there's two race runs in the format of the series we're doing as well. So there's plenty of riding to be had. So hopefully we'll make some good progression over the weekend.
1: Yeah, I see it a lot with our, our regional races where, um, in, in the amateur, the masters categories, like some people have a work structure that they can ride their bike, a few times a week and can practice all the time. And some of their guys have to work every day and have tons of responsibilities. And it's like pretty strong correlation between the people who have the opportunity to ride more and practice more and the guys that are doing well in the races. So, um, I know it's tough, especially like, you know, you have to work, you have a family of lots of responsibilities, but the more you can ride your bike, the, are you going to do in the
0: race true so if there isn't a podcast episode for a few weeks everyone knows where i am <laughs> all right man we should uh we should start to to wrap up um it's been an absolute pleasure catching up and uh sorry to see that it's going to be a few races missed this season but also glad that it's not much worse because it sounded like a pretty nasty crash um but yeah we'll definitely be uh catching up throughout the season so all the best for the rest of your recovery. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on a racetrack as soon as is, uh, you know, safely possible, I guess. Yeah,
1: me too, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks for everybody listening. I know the downtime listeners support my program a ton. So thank you guys and uh, talk to you soon, Chris.
0: Nice one. Cheers, Nico. All right, that's it for this episode with Nico. I really hope you've enjoyed it. A massive thanks to We Are One Composites for supporting the podcast this month. To get a very generous 15% off their wheels, rims, and the package bar and stem for the duration of May, head over to weareonecomposites.com and use the code DOWNTIMEMAY2023. That's DOWNTIMEMAY2023, all one word with a capital D and a capital M. You'll find that link in the show notes for the episode on downtimepodcast.com. And don't forget that you need to enter it at the very final stage of the checkout process in order for it to work. That's the confirm order page at weareonecomposites.com. Also, a massive thanks to Canyon for supporting the episode. They've just launched a whole new range of awesome e-bikes, which you can check out over at canyon.com. What's even better is that if you fancy one of Canyon's awesome e-bikes, then as a downtime listener, you can get free bike guard on your e-bike order until midnight CET on the 3rd of June 2023 by using the code canyon-fully-charge-2023 at the checkout. That's all uppercase canyon-fully-charge-2023 at the checkout. Terms and conditions apply and can be found in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to be in with a chance of winning one of three pairs of Magira MT7 Pros, then you need to fill out my 2023 listener survey by heading to downtimepodcast.com forward slash survey before the 8th of June. Also, don't forget, if you want to help support the podcast, the best way to do that is by heading over to patreon.com forward slash downtimepodcast and setting up a donation. If Patreon doesn't work for you, then have a think about the other ways that you can help, like telling your friends about the show, sharing the episodes on your social media, and leaving a review in Apple Podcasts or commenting on the episode in Spotify. We've also got t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hoodies over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. All right, we've got heaps more stuff coming, so make sure you don't miss an episode and hit follow in your podcast app now or head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow to make sure you're signed up. You can also get a bit of extra downtime by signing up to our newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. That's it for today. We'll have another awesome episode coming up really soon, but until next time, get out and ride.